So if you learn to lie, and this man, they broke into his store, I think in Scottsdale, and they destroyed everything in the store. He said, I was just getting through the corona thing. Now, you know, this. What am I going to do? How am I going to feed my family? And those are things that people need to think about when they riot and they lose these stores. That has nothing to do about the message that they're trying to portray. So we need to pray for people's minds to be clear because I believe that the enemy, you know, uh, lies to them. And, you know, the reason why I believe they're having these demonstrations is to put out a message. And the message is we don't want no more racism, which is right. But when you go out and you do all these things, people don't take you serious. And so they say, see, all the blacks, all the Mexicans, they're doing what they always do, stealing, bullying. You know, so we need to uh, do this, but do it in a peaceful way so that they will take us serious. So let's pray for our nation. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for our president this morning, Lord. Many times he says things, Lord, that are not very smart, Lord, and that a leader shouldn't be saying, Lord God, uh, such as uh, making racial remarks, Lord, about these congresswomen, Lord. I think that that's wrong, Lord. And Father, uh, everybody, Lord God, uh, America is a nation of immigrants, Lord God, even though many people may not want to admit it, Lord God. There's people that have come here from other nations, Lord God, and have made America their own. So, Father, I pray that we will all learn to live together and learn to love one another the way your word commands, Lord God. And these people that are demonstrating, Lord God, we pray for them, Lord. Those that are demonstrating peacefully, Father, I believe they should do so, Lord. I believe that we do need change, Lord. Yes, Lord. But, Father, I pray that those that are looting, Lord God, and breaking into businesses, breaking police cars, and doing all these things, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that they will be caught and put in jail because they give this whole thing a bad name, Lord God. And people are not going to take them serious, Father. Father, I thank you that for the last four nights or so, we've had peaceful demonstrations, Lord God. Or even the police, Lord God, have joined the demonstration, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that there be peace over our nation, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, is there anybody else have something that you want to pray for? Just to me? Do you have a prayer request? Sometimes, you know, we gotta do what we gotta do. So, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for opening the door for Sister Marie, Lord God. Yesterday, when I talked to her in the morning, Lord, things didn't look real hopeful, Lord God. But Father, Lord God, you open the door, Lord God, because your word, your word says, Lord God, seek and you shall find. 
not going to show me your penalty. But Father, you're a good God, Father. You always make a way for us. Even, Lord God, in our darkest moments, Lord God, you help us, Lord God. So we thank you and we praise you for opening the door for your daughter, Lord. I believe, Lord God, that things are going to be better. I believe, Lord God, that she's going to be blessed. I believe, Lord God, that this is going to be the last move that she has to make, Lord. Before she moves, Lord God, into her own place, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because I really believe that you're going to open the door. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness. We love you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to pray, Brother Eddie, this morning, that God will be with him, that God will strengthen him. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We pray for Brother Eddie, Lord God. We pray that you will touch his body, Lord God. I rebuke sickness in Jesus' name. Lord God, your word says that by your stripes he is healed. Father, heal him, Lord. Touch him, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let the nails cut hand of Calvary, Lord God. Touch his body, Father. Your word declares that by your stripes, Brother Eddie is healed. Brother Eddie, be healed in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Pray, Sister Carmen, this morning. God will touch your father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Sister Carmen, Lord God, be with her, Lord God. Touch her body, Father. In the name of Jesus, strengthen her, Father, and be with her. In Jesus' name, amen. We also want to pray for uh, Junior, Marina, uh, Jack. He suffered. A motorcycle accident that was, you know, really hurt. And so let's ask the Lord to touch him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Brother Junior this morning. We pray that you will extend your healing power and touch his body. Your Lord says that by your stripes he is healed. Touch him, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord. Heal him completely. In Jesus' name, amen. So yesterday I received a call from uh, last night. Sister Sylvia, she got cut off, but she was telling me how she got sick. And her brother-in-law died, uh, I think it was last week. And so she went to his funeral, and she said she got sick. We want to pray for her this morning. God will touch her body. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Sister Sylvia, Lord God, the Samaeus. He has that you will touch her body. Your word declares that by your stripes, she is healed, Father. Let your healing virtue and your healing power touch her body, Father. Sylvia, be healed in the name of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus, I pray. Touch his family, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was talking to Sister Sylvia about one of her granddaughters uh, that I met at this church on South Phoenix uh, when I was working there. 
she was really committed to the Lord and really blessed me to see her because she came in on a Sunday morning I was preaching and I made an altar call. She came to the altar along with other people. And you know, the Lord transformed her. That's what God does. He transforms our lives. Uh, I know we don't hear a lot about that anymore. You know, uh, we go to church and we come out of church and we act like the rest of the world does. But really, God's aim is to transform us. God's aim is to change us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All, all things have become new. God wants us to walk through this life. He doesn't want us to live the way we live in the world. Wants us to be transformed. I was talking to somebody the other day and she was telling me, Oh, look at people, how they cuss. And I said, well, You cuss? And she goes, Yeah, but I cuss because I'm around people that are cussing all the time. I said, Well, you know what? That's not a good excuse. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says not to be conformed to the world, but ye be ye transformed. You cannot join the world, but you have to come out of the world. Paul said, come out from among them and be separated, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I know there's not a lot of preaching about that anymore, but God hasn't changed. His word hasn't changed. His power hasn't changed. So we do what this word says that we do. And so I seen that girl, Sylvia's granddaughter, God transformed her. God changed her right before my very eyes. And you know what? This is a beautiful thing. Nobody had to tell her nothing. The Holy Spirit started dealing with her. One Sunday morning, she came in, and she said, Pastor, and I said, yes. She says, you know, I've been living with my boyfriend for years. I said, yeah? And she said, yeah. And she said, guess what I did last night? I said, what did you do? He said, I told my boyfriend, he has to go sleep on the sofa because this is not right. Because the other day you were talking about people shacking up. And you were saying it was wrong. And I said, wow. Then, like uh, three weeks later, she came to me on a Wednesday night service. And she said, Pastor, the Lord dealt with me about tithing, paying my, paying my tithe. Nobody told her. He said, God dealt with me. I want to pay my 10% to the Lord. I'm going to start this Sunday. So then she started tithing. And then she came to me like two weeks later. And she said, Pastor, I have a testimony to share. Because ever since I've been tithing, God has been blessing me. I don't remember if she got a raise or if she got a promotion. She said, God blessed me. And so God transformed her right before my very eyes. Her name is Sylvia, too. Uh, she's Sylvia's granddaughter. And, and I mean, I will never forget that. And uh, I saw her when her uncle died, and she came and hugged me. She told me, I'm going to go to church, Pastor. And she hasn't come yet, but I'm still praying that she does. But you know, she got hurt 
because the church that we were in, uh, something happened and the church split and that's how she got hurt. Uh, the other pastor did some things that he shouldn't have done. But, you know, this is the thing. People get hurt and then they don't want to serve the Lord anymore. So I want to pray for Sister Sylvia's granddaughter, Sylvia. And then Sylvia has another granddaughter. Her name is Selena. God also touched her. I remember when she used to come to church here. One day she came and told me, Pastor, I want to I wanna put together a pantry so that people can bring food to the church and then we can get it out to people who need it. And you know, she wasn't doing that great herself, but God put that burden in her heart. So I want to pray for these young ladies. I want to pray for their mom, Sister Lisa, who also watches uh, our services most of the time I hear. So I want to pray for their father. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for Sylvia, Lord God. I used to call her little Sylvia, Lord. I pray that you touch her, Lord God. I pray that you do a work of the Holy Spirit in her life, Father. Bless her, Lord God. Help her, Lord God. Help her to come back to you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Lord God. I rebuke the lies and the works of the devil that are keeping her in bondage, Lord. Do a work of the Holy Spirit in her life, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, I also pray for Selena, Lord. Do a work in her life, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for the changing power of Jesus Christ, that you still change people, Lord God. You still transform people, Lord God. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Anything else that you guys want to pray about this morning? I'm going to pray for Steve. Uh, Cassandra's husband had surgery last week. And I ask the Lord to touch him. Also, I'm going to pray for. Uh, well, pray for the Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Brother Steve, Lord, we pray that you will touch his body, that you will heal his hand, your word says that by your stripes he is healed, touch him, Lord God, heal his hand, Lord God, we pray for Cassandra, Lord God, Lord God, put in their hearts, Lord God, Jesus, put in their hearts, Lord God, the desire, Lord God, to come to the house of God, the desire, Lord God, to come and hear your word, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Touch him, Lord God. Touch Karina, Lord God. Touch your son, Delino, we pray. Work on his behalf, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray uh, this morning for I remember when that fell right now. I remember when Paul and Jan first started DBN. They were doing a program. I think it was, I don't know what it was. And they had like a curtain in back of them. And she, they said later on they were laughing. They said it was a shower curtain because they couldn't afford anything else. And the shower curtain fell in the middle of the of the service of the prayer that they were having. And, and so uh, later on they would show that clip and they would laugh, you know. 
because CBN became a real strong network, Christian network. There goes again. But uh, let's put it somewhere. But you know, it didn't start that way. Uh, it didn't start that way. Uh, they had a lot of, a lot of, they went through a lot of stuff and through a lot of trials in order to, to uh, have what they have today. You know, I was listening to Paul Brock one time. He already went to be with the Lord. But he was talking about the TVN uh, when they started. Not only that that happened to them, but a lot of things happened to them. One of the things that he said that happened to them, they, they bought a TV station in, uh, I think, uh, San Diego. Uh, I don't know if it was LA, but that was the first station that they bought. The second one that they bought was Channel 41, but that was their first station. And he said they had a transmitter and they couldn't get it to work. And I think they had like two days to get it fixed and go on the air or they would lose their license. And he said he hired a, a, a technician and the guy came and he couldn't fix the problem. And they said that uh, what they did is they called, at that time it was Mountain Bell. Now I guess it's uh, West, is it West? No, Century Link. Uh, it was West, it was Mountain Bell. I don't know what else it was. But they called Mountain Bell because they knew about technology to try to get that uh, uh, thing to work so that they could uh, have a picture because the picture wasn't coming, the transmitter didn't want to work. And so Mountain Bell told them, we have the same problem. The problem is the transmitter was near a mountain. And he says, unless you move the mountain, you're not gonna get a signal. And he said that, 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 that Paul said that the man kept trying, kept trying, nothing would happen. Because the guy was a chain smoker. He smoked one cigarette after the other, and tell me it's not gonna work, Paul, it's not gonna work. I'm trying to make it work. And he said that on a Saturday night, the guy told him, I don't know what to do anymore, Paul. It's not gonna work. They needed to come on the air the next day, which was on Sunday. And Paul said he got up to the mountain and the transmitter was right there. And he said, Lord, I don't know what you have to do. If you have to move this mountain a little bit, the, the signal, We'll go to the station, do it in Jesus' name. God's word said that there's nothing impossible for you. Well, he said that he, he told them tomorrow, we're gonna try one more time and it's gonna work. He said that they came and tried it, nothing. He said all of a sudden, the signal came on. And uh, even the, the guy, you know, that was doing the work, he got saved because he said, you know, this had to be God. It had to be the prayer that you made yesterday because I didn't do nothing. I couldn't do nothing because I guess God moved the mountain he goes, a little bit so that we could get the signal. Man. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there's nothing impossible for God. That the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. God will do anything. He will even move mountains in order that we can have the things that we want and the things that we need in our lives. 
he gave another story. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I'm not going to question it. Paul Crouch gave another story one time. He said that uh, he was going to buy a station, uh, the first station that he was going to buy. And he needed $65,000 by 5 o'clock that evening. It had to be in the bank. Otherwise, he would lose the station. And he said, all day long, I prayed in my office. And, you know, I would know my secretary. Has anybody come in to give money? No. Has any mail come in? No. Did somebody give us a love offering? No. He said, it was 3.30. And a man walked in. And he told him, Paul, oh, I was at home. And God spoke to me, and he told me to bring you this. And, and he didn't even wait to, to see, you know, how much money it was. He goes, give it to me. And he said he ran to the bank. The bank was across the street. I don't think of, at that time the bank used to close at 4. He said he got to the bank five minutes till 4. And he was able to, he didn't even know how much he had. He said, when I got to the bank, I looked at it. There was a check for $65,000, exactly what I needed. I put it in the bank, because then I came back to my office, and then I talked to the guy. He said, what's the story? He said, well, I was at home, and God told me to come and give you the $65,000, because God told me to sell a boat that I had. And he told me to give the money to the work of the Lord, and he told me to bring it to you. So that's how God works. God is a God of the impossible. He does things, you know, that sometimes we wonder, how did God do that? God is a good God. He's a faithful God. Amen. We were singing earlier, God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. I've seen God do things in my life. I've seen God do things in other people's lives. They, they are unexplainable. God is a powerful God. He's a mighty God. I don't care what your need is this morning. God has the answer to your problem. I don't care what your sickness is this morning. God is a healer. I don't care if you're bound by drugs, you're bound by alcohol, you're bound by sin. God is a deliverer. The Bible says, says he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. God is a deliverer. You know, I was thinking this morning, I was talking to Sister Marie, and I was telling her how a friend of mine brought another friend uh, this week for me to see him. I've known this man for about 40 years. All the time that I've known him, he's been a drunk. I used to drink with him. And uh, he came, and he, he was telling me he had six months to live because the doctors, already gave up hope. Uh, he has cancer, I think colon cancer. But he's still drinking. And he was drinking a beer and he wanted to just shaking, but still drinking. And I said, man, what a dumb person. He's, you know, he's dying. And one of his problems has been that he has alcoholism. And that they told him his, his, his liver is already gone. And I said, he's dying, and he's still drinking the very thing that is destroying his life. 
But you know, when I seen him drinking, I said, how dumb can a person be? But you know what? I used to do the same thing. I used to drink. I used to do drugs. I used to sin. But you know what? Once Christ comes into our lives, He changes us. He changes our hearts. He changes our desires. That's why I cannot understand a person that says they're Christians and still involved in sin. Because, you know, apparently nothing has happened in their hearts. Because the Bible says that once you come into the things of God, things change in your life. The desires change. I don't desire alcohol anymore. I don't desire the things that I used to desire in my life because Christ lives within my heart. And if Christ lives within my heart, then I have to be different because the Bible says I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. So somebody asked one time, why do so many people leave the church? I'll tell you why. Because sometimes I will share truth. And the, the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Some people don't want to be set free. They want to go from church to church to find a preacher that will agree with their sin. I'm not that person. I will speak the word of God, and if God tells me to tell you something, I will tell you, because you know what? I'm not going to go to hell for anybody. I'm not going to change the word of God just so that people can come and they can give all their money because you know what? These things are not forever. I can have all the money in the world. But Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gained the whole world but loses his own soul? So I'm not going to lose my salvation for anybody. So, you know, I tell people, if the word offends you, then, you know, you have a problem. But it's not with me. It's with the word. And so last night, uh, a preacher posted something on Facebook, she would call me, she wanted me to say something in regard to that. So you know what I did? I rebuked that brother. I thought that's not what the Bible says. And so, you know, I get into trouble, but it's okay. You know, people don't like me, it's okay. I'm not running for political office. I don't need your vote. Uh, what I am supposed to do is to preach this word and that's what I've been told to do. And the Bible says to contend for the faith. Fight for your faith, for whatever you believe. Don't fall for everything. Stand up for something. Stand up for the word. Yes. He apologized. Because yes. that was wrong, what he was saying. And then, you know, they put it on Facebook for everybody to see. And then, you know, you have to be real careful. If you're on Facebook and you're preaching, you better make sure everything that you're saying lines up with His Word. Because otherwise, you're deceiving people. You're lying to them. And as preachers, I don't understand. I don't know if preachers understand the responsibility that we have. We have a responsibility to speak this Word. Nothing else. Not our own theology. Not what we think or what we believe what this word says. And if this word hurts people and upsets people, then so be it. This is the word of God. You know, Jesus spoke the truth each and every time. That's why they killed him. Because they hated him. 
because he stood for the truth. He told, he told the people, you're a generation of pipers. He said, you're like five, five humans, real clean on the outside, but in the inside you're full of dead men's bones. So, I mean, Jesus spoke the truth to people. And so as ministers of the gospel, we have to do the same. It doesn't matter if people don't like us. It doesn't matter if they don't agree with us. Amen? As long as we speak the truth of God's word, then that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we are called to do. Let me say this uh, before I move on. Uh, Sunday, I mean not Sunday, last week I saw some of the protests that they were having in the city. I think like two or three pastors took their congregation to go out and protest in the city. Why? I don't understand. But you know how sad that all the pastors have their churches closed, but they'll go out and get involved in something like this. You know, unless you're out there sharing the gospel, then what are you doing out there? You know, uh, I, I'm not saying that nobody should protest. Like I said earlier, as long earlier, as long as people do so under the law, we should ask for change because things do need to change. But you know, God comes first, and the Word of God comes first. And if we're closing our churches because we say we're scared of the people who get sick, then what are we doing in these marches when there's thousands of people? You know the. The woman that was doing the newscast, she said, my Lord, these people are out there with no mask on. They're not uh, following the social distancing thing. How many are going to get sick out of this? And so I would say to those pastors, shame on you. You should be, sorry, you should be uh, preaching the gospel in your churches. You should have your church doors open so that people can come and worship God. God is our only hope, and He is our only help. And we need to, to preach His word, especially right now, when people need it the most. Amen? Uh, that's not going to get me a lot of fans, but it's okay. Like, uh, if you want to send your text messages, address them to Shiva. Thank you. If you're mad at me. I already have enough people mad at me this week. So I already reached the limit for the week. Does anybody else have anything that they want to pray for? Something that you want to share before we move on? I want to read a scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. I, I want to say this, that we are going to be having services now every Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going to have a tent up uh, so that we can, you know, uh, be under the tent. I couldn't get it to work this morning, but I believe next week it will be uh, working. So we don't have an excuse. We have nice cold air. Man, so we can come and worship God. The, the CDC says that this is the 
safest way to have church if you have it outside in the open air. So that's one of the reasons why we're doing it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 um, and verse 2. Where does the Bible say? For he says, in an acceptable time I have told you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Preachers, that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Because now is the accepted time. Right now is not a time to close our church doors. Right now is a time to have our churches open. Right now is a time for us to be preaching the word of God to people and to give them the hope and the help that they need. Amen? Today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Father, we pray this morning that as we come together to consider your word, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will open our ears and our eyes, Lord, that we may hear and see what you are trying to tell us. Father, give me a miracle of communication that I may impart your word with so, such simplicity that even a small child can understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak for, to you for a few moments concerning the theme in times like these. In times like these. Some time ago, someone made a statement which I feel describes the times that we are living in today. The statement was, in times like these, this man said, we need a savior. In times like this, we need an anchor. In times like this, he ended up saying, we need Jesus. I don't know what was taking place at the time when this man made these statements, but I know what is taking place all around us today. And this man's words fit our situation today. This man's words fit what we're going through today and what we're facing as a nation today. Many of us want to act like we are back to normal and like we are no longer uh, being uh, threatened by this sickness, this coronavirus that attacks uh, and has killed so many people and has made so many people sick. The government is trying to stay as business as usual. I heard the president say, we are not going to close up even if the numbers will begin to go up. Well, that's what is taking place. Here in Arizona, the numbers are going up so high of people being infected by coronavirus that some of our medical people have said it is reaching a dangerous point. 
Many of us want to act. It's not there any longer. Like it's not there any longer. But coronavirus is still here. It hangs on our necks like an albatross. Each and every day, the number of people getting infected with the virus keeps going up. Amen? You guys watch the news? Each and every day, the number of people dying from coronavirus keeps going up. So regardless of what the government tries to tell us or tries to make us believe, coronavirus is here. And coronavirus is still destroying people's lives. We don't have any relief in sight. There is no vaccine for this virus, no cure today. So we need to understand that this sickness is killing a lot of people, is making a lot of people sick. We have never seen a disease such as this disease. Somebody asked me a question the other day. Have you ever seen anything like this? I said, no, I haven't. We, I believe, are living in what the Bible calls the last days. I believe that Jesus is coming soon. And we are living in very dangerous times. And the only one who can help us is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nobody that can help us. Coronavirus has no cure. And so we need a savior to help us today. Our trust cannot be put upon men. Our trust cannot be put upon our government because they have no answer. Our trust has to be upon the Lord Jesus Christ, our savior, our redeemer, in times like these, we need a savior. In times like this, we need his help. The Bible tells us in Psalms 101 and verse 1, the psalmist said, I will look unto the hills. From where does my help come from? Does it come from Washington, D.C.? No. Does it come from the president? No. Does it come from the governor? No. Does it come from the medical profession? No. However, the medical doctors and the nurses are doing a great job, and I believe that God is going to help them for their efforts, but they cannot do anything. If God, if you are slated to die, they cannot hold you back from dying. The only one that can help us is God. The psalmist says, I will look unto the hills from where does my help come from? Then he answers his own question. He says, my help comes from the Lord, which created heaven and earth. Yes, in times like these, we need a savior. And we need our savior to help us. Then we have all the violence, all the demonstrations, all the riots nationwide all the anger and the hatred for one another 
yet the Bible clearly tells us to love one another. But you have all this hatred and all this anger that is being fueled, fueled many times by our own political leaders who are beating people one against, one against another. Like I said last week when I was sharing on racism, look, the Bible says that out of one blood, God created all the nations of the world. We are all brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be loving each other. And when we bend our knees, we shouldn't be bending our knees to George Floyd, because George Floyd is not the Savior. We should be bending our knees to Jesus Christ, because he is the Savior of the world. And we should be bending our knees each and every day so that things will change. The Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, if my people who are called by my name, who are those people? The church, church, we should be bending our knees, not for George Floyd. We shouldn't be demonstrating for George Floyd and bending our knees for him. We should be bending our knees to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to help us and to stop all this violence and all this hatred all over our nation. The Bible says in my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And so if we want our land to be healed from coronavirus, we need to bend our knees to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to acknowledge that we need a savior this morning. We need a savior. America, you need a savior. It's not Donald Trump. It's Jesus Christ the Lord. So we have all the violence and all the rioting. And the Bible tells us to love one another. John chapter 13 and verse 14. John 13, 14. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? John 13. If I then your Lord and Savior. No, I'm sorry, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, and I have loved you, and that you also love one another. God is commanding us. This is not a suggestion. He's making a command that we love one another. Church, those of you that say you love God, but you have issues with your brother, this is the commandment of God, that you love one another. He's not making a suggestion. He's saying it's a commandment. John 13, 34 tells us that we should love one another. This is a commandment. Yes, in times like these, we need a savior. We need an anchor. We need Jesus. Amen?
we need Jesus. As much as we have tried to push him out of our schools, as much as we have tried to push him out of our government, as much as we have tried to push him out of our lives, yet we come to find, we come to find that we still need him. We need his help. We need his guidance to go through what we're going through. Let me say this. We need God in our schools. Amen? I said, we need God in our schools. I remember the last school shooting that we had. President Trump said that what we needed to do was to give guns to teachers so that they could be armed and they can defend themselves. What is that going to do? Violence will only bring more violence. So that's not the answer. The answer is we need prayer back in our schools. We need God back in our schools. You know, I remember when I went to school many, many moons ago, I remember that when before we came into the school, we said the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. Listen, one nation under God, under God. We need God in our nation. We need God in our schools. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Not only for some, but for all. For Mexicans as well as for white people. For blacks as well is for white people. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. I hope that that's what people are demonstrating about. Getting justice. Keeping our liberty. But I remember that we said the Pledge of Allegiance then we went into our classroom. When we went out to lunch and we came back we had time a prayer. And I think we also had a prayer before we started our schoolwork every morning. You know what? As, as far as I can recall, we didn't have violence. We didn't have mass shootings in our schools. But you know what? During these years, we had prayer. During these years, we had prayer in our schools we have God in our schools. Now what do we have? Violence. Violence in the school, and in, in our schools. And all because people listen to one ungodly woman, Marilyn O'Hare. She's the one that fought for, for prayer to be taken out of the school. And now, where is she at? Probably dead and is burning in hell. And look at where we're at. Many families have lost their kids to school violence. We need to demand that we bring prayer back into our school because we need a savior, because we need an anchor. We need Jesus. In times like these, we need God back in our schools. We need God back in our lives because God is the only one that holds the answers to our problems as a society. I recall 
when our government was a government of the people and for the people. Today, our government officials are out for themselves to promote their own personal agendas and their own interests. They are all like little kids. They can't even get along one with each other. They can't even work together anymore for the betterment of the country. They are trying to pass another stimulus to help people. They can't even get that going because they can't come together. Former President Obama refused to halt prayer services in the White House like other predecessors of him, of his, had done many times before, including President George W. Bush. What was, was President Obama doing? Trying to push God out of our government. Let me say this, that President Obama was an anti-God president. He didn't like God and the things of God. In America, you all, all the problems that you're going through, or that we're going through as a nation, in large part, President Obama's policies, when he fought and signed a bill for same-sex marriage, when he fought for abortion clinics to stay open, when he fought for all these ungodly laws that he helped to usher in with it, it also usher in the anger of God because God will not be mocked. And so we're going through what we're going through because that's what we uh, allocated, that's what we fought for. Let me tell you something. I don't hate homosexuals, but I hate the act of the sin that they do. Because the Bible says that homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. Abortion, a lot of babies being killed, that's murder, capital murder. Thank God for President Trump, and I don't always agree with him, but thank God for President Trump, who God used to try to bring back an awareness of God back into our nation. I have seen him as he has stood and read from the Bible. I have seen him the other day as he rebuked pastors and he said the churches needed to be open. He said, we need more prayer in America, not less. Listen to that, pastors. God had to use a man that I don't know how his relationship with God is. I don't want to say, but he had to use him because some of us, didn't have the guts to stand up and say, we need our churches open. We need to be praying. We need to be seeking God. In times like this, we need a savior. In times like this, we need an anchor. In times like this, we need Jesus. Let me say this. Many times we try to fix things our own way. We try to fix our problems in our own way. We try to get through life in our own ways because we feel that we're smarter than God. Let me tell you something. You need God. You need God in your life. You need God in your home. 
you need God in your marriage. Let me tell you what the Bible says in the book of John, chapter 15 and verse 5. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Somebody read it. Read it to them. John chapter 15 and verse 5. The wine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Did you hear that? Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. You think you're so smart that you can run your own life and you can uh, 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 solve your own problems without God and without the help of God? Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. You know, you can do something without God. That's fail. Fail in life. Fail in every effort. That's why we're failing as a nation. America was the greatest nation in the world at one time. But we are failing because we tried to push God out and out of the picture. And because of it, we are failing as a nation. Because we need God. Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. In times like these, we need a savior. In times like this, we need an anchor. In times like this, we need Jesus. America, without God, we are doomed. Listen to me. Without God and without God's help, we are doomed. We are headed for destruction if we want to push God out of the picture. If we choose to push God out of our schools, out of our government, out of our lives, we are destined for failure and destruction and God's judgment. Psalm chapter 9 and verse 17. Psalm chapter 9 and verse 17. What does the Bible say? God is good. He's a good God. And we need Him in our lives. We need Him in our homes. We need Him in our government. We need Him in our schools. What does it say? So we can turn into hell and all the nations that we Listen to that. The wicked will be turned into hell. I want you to know something, America, this morning. There is a hell. Even though you don't want to think about it or you don't want to believe it, let me tell you something. There is a place called hell, and people are burning in that place as we sit here and speak to you today. And let me tell you something. The Bible says that the wicked will be turned into hell. That's why you need a Savior this morning. The only one that can keep you from dying and going to a place called hell is the Lord Jesus Christ because he came to save you. He's the savior of the world. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in order that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world 
to condemn the world, but he sent his son into the world that the world might be saved through him. This morning, America, we need a savior, and his name is Jesus. In times like this, we need a savior, we need an anchor, we need a help, and his name is Jesus. Amen. God is good this morning. And so this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to open your heart to him by saying the simple prayer that I'm going to say. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of all my sins. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. God, help me. God, if you're real, change my life in Jesus' name. I realize that I need a Savior, that I need an anchor, and His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to I want you this morning to read a scripture with me. The clothing and it is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 14. We have to walk around 
uh, wearing a mask, we can't even shake people's hands because we don't know if they have the virus. So things are not the way they used to be. Now we live in constant fear, but we can have a hope in God. Each and every day I wake up and I don't wake up thinking who's going to give me coronavirus today. I wake up praying and hoping that God will keep me healed for that day. Amen. So in times like this, we need a Savior. In times like this, we need an anchor. In times like this, we need Jesus because he's the only one that can make the difference. I'm going to share with you who spoke those words years ago. There was a man by the name of Little Richard. Little Richard was a very popular singer. And Little Richard, I think the last few years of his life, he gave his heart to Jesus. And he became a Christian. His name is, I think his real name is Richard Henneman. And so little Richard one day got up and said these words. At times like these, we need a savior. At times like this, we need an anchor. At times like this, we need Jesus. And little Richard didn't get to see what you and I are seeing today. He didn't get to see the pandemic. He didn't get to see all the riots and all the things that are taking place today. I think these words are fitting for the times that we're living in. We need Jesus. He's the only one that can help us. He's the only one that can change us. And so like I said before, when people uh, uh, get on their knees and they're saying that they're kneeling for George Floyd, let me tell you something. This man is already dead. I, I'm not saying that he died a very, very, very death. He didn't. I'm not saying that he didn't suffer. He did. And I'm not saying that it wasn't unjust what happened to him. It was. But just because that happened to him, we don't take out to the streets and act like animals. Just because that happened to him, uh, I think that by uh, his family said, that if you want to honor him, then do it, do things right, do things peacefully. But let me say something. When I saw people kneeling down for this man, he is not your savior. Jesus is. I saw people throwing themselves. Last night, I saw people throwing themselves with their own kids on the asphalt, right there on, on Van Buren. And first Avenue, saying, don't shoot. You know, these are pretty idiotic things. If you want to change, if you want America to change, vote in people that will bring changes. Vote in people that will stand up for the right things. See, sometimes we don't even vote. I'm saying that for myself also. I'm not saying don't demonstrate. I'm not saying don't diminish what took place. It was bad. But you know what? As a nation, we need to move on. A lot of things have happened over the years. 
Are we going to demonstrate about everything? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of Mexican people, a lot of illegal aliens that are dying in detention centers because President Trump refuses to send them back to their own countries. And some of them are crying out, send me back. I don't want to get the virus. How come we don't uh, demonstrate for them? I'm not saying don't demonstrate for this man. That's your own right. But don't make a god out of him. Don't make a murder, a, a martyr out of him. Jesus Christ came to <laughs> I read a scripture that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came and gave his life on the cross for you to be your savior. You want to bend your knee? Bend your knee to him in prayer. Tell him to help us. George Floyd can't help us. He's already dead. The only one that can help us to bring change in America, to bring change in our hearts and in our lives is the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to bend our knees to him. We need to pray to him. We need to love him because he's the only one that can help us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for our nation, Lord God. Lord, I'm not saying that people shouldn't demonstrate. That's their own right. But Father, I am saying, Lord God, that we need to bend our knees. We need to look beyond George uh, Floyd and look towards our Savior, towards our Lord, because George Floyd is already gone. He's already dead. But Father, we are still here. And we need help, Lord God. And so Father, at times like this, we need a Savior. At times like this, we need an anchor. In times like this, we need Jesus. And so Father, we look to you. Help us, Lord God, to change situations. Lord, we pray for the police department, Lord God. Not all policemen and police women are bad. We cannot all paint all of them with the same brush. Father, we need to respect, Lord God, authority, because the Bible tells us that we need to respect authority. And so, Father, help us, Lord God, to do the right thing. Help us as a nation. Have mercy upon us. Give us good leaders, Lord God, that will teach us, Lord God, your word, Father, because your word is the guiding light that we need, Lord God. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Father, let us stay in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray for those that are hurting. Father, I even pray for the family of this man, uh, George uh, Floyd. Father, he had a little girl that I saw her on the news the other day. She was crying for her daddy that she's never going to see again. Father, uh, I pray that you bring comfort to his mother, to his brothers, to his sisters, to his aunts and uncles nieces and nephews, help them, Lord God. And Father, may his death, Lord God, come for something. Not for the riot, but Father, may his death 
done for something. May it bring change, Lord God. Lord God, and may it bring racial equality, Lord God. Father, because we are all one, Father. And you called us to love you, Lord God. And you called us to be with you, Lord God, to, to be there for one another. Help us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. So this morning, uh, we are going to do something that we do every Sunday, which is we take communion. We have started this since the coronavirus started. And we do this in order to have protection uh, for the week. Amen, because we believe that the blood of Jesus doesn't only have power to forgive our sins. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And not only does the blood of Jesus have cleansing power, we believe it has healing power. We believe it has protection power. So, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't wear a mask in the week. Once in a while, I put on a mask. But, you know, I rely mostly on the Lord to keep me safe and to keep me healed and to keep me well. So Shiva, uh, read for us 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24, I believe. We encourage those of you that are watching and listening every Sunday get a piece of bread or a cracker and something liquid and you can have communion with us. Doesn't matter what it is, we do it uh, knowing that God is going to keep us safe. What does the Bible say? And take meat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And take the bread. Amen. In the same manner, you also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This too, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Father, we believe that by taking the bread and by taking the cup, Father, we are taking your body and we are drinking your blood, Father, which is able to keep us healed, which is able to keep us safe, even from coronavirus. In Jesus' name, amen. Shiva, if you have uh, something that you wanted to announce, you can do so. Sunday we're doing it at 10 o'clock. Praise the Lord Church. It's so nice to be in the house of the Lord. 
especially for our viewers who are watching us online from our website or our social media. We're going to be having service this Thursday. It's going to be on the phone. You can call the conference number, which is mentioned there on our website, which is www.thehouseofgod.org. So you can find the conference number and you can call every Thursday at 6 and you can get connected to all the church members and we all together will pray for your need. Just as it happened in Acts chapter 12, where the church came together and prayed for Peter when he was in the prison. And because the church came together and prayed for Peter, he was released from the jail. So in the same manner, we as church are going to come together on the conference prayer line every Thursday at 6 and every Friday at 6. And uh, if you join us, uh, you can give your prayer request and we pray for you. So it's going to be every Thursday and Friday at 6. And we're going to have Sunday service outside just like this. 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, we have changed the timings from 11.30 to 10. So you can come and enjoy the worship at uh, at the church, outside the church. Because this is safe, set by the guidelines, set by CDC. So, so this is the safest place uh, to have the service. So we hope you come join us next Sunday. Thank you. God bless you. We are going to be dismissed in prayer. And so we invite you, if you have a prayer need, to call us and to let us know. And we promise to pray for your need. We have people that have uh, texted us all the way from the Philippines. And we have prayed for them. There's a brother in the Philippines that constantly protects us. And we always pray. And there's people in Africa, there's people, I don't know, from everywhere that have texted. I remember praying for a young man in Africa. They got into a car accident and his brother was dying in the hospital. And we prayed for him. God healed him the following week. He called us and testified are going up here too, real bad. I don't know if it's probably going to end up probably having another shutdown. You know, um, those are the things that I, I cannot...
in the hospital. So things are not looking good. So we need to pray each and every day. And we need to pray that we don't get sick because we're around all these things. The other day, I, I went to Home Depot and it was jam-packed. I said, ain't going anymore. And you know what I saw Saturday, I think, when I went to Home Depot that really troubled me. I saw a man carrying his baby into the store with no mask, nothing, and the store was jam-packed with people. And see, the government is making us believe that things are back to normal. They're not. We need to take precautions, and we need to do the things that they are telling us to do, because those are the only things that we can do. So um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We pray for the nation of India today, Lord God, as the coronavirus numbers are going up. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you have mercy upon the Indian people, Lord God, and that you help them in Jesus' name. Father, we also pray for the people of Pakistan. Father, we've had many calls from Pakistan, Lord God, that people are watching, Lord God, on Facebook. Bless them, Lord God, and help them, Lord. Have mercy upon them in Jesus' name. And again, we pray for our nation, Lord God. We pray for our city, Lord God. Help us, Lord God. May the numbers begin to go down, Father, in Jesus' name. Give us wisdom, Lord God. Give the governor wisdom and the medical people wisdom to do the right thing, Lord God. And we pray for all the doctors. We pray for all the nurses. We pray for all the medical people, Lord God. They are giving of themselves so selflessly every day, Lord God, to fight this pandemic, Lord God, and to try to get people well. Bless them. Bless their families, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Have mercy upon us as a nation. Have mercy upon this world, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that you will be with us to the remainder, uh, uh, to the coming week, Lord. Father, we, may we be able to do the things that we have to do, that we need to do, Lord God. Be with us, Lord God, and help us, Lord. Cover us in your blood and encamp your guiding angels of protection around us this coming week, I pray in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for your daughter, Lord. Give her peace, Lord God. Let her know, Lord God, that you're in complete and total control, Lord God, of her life, Lord. That you haven't left her, Lord God. You haven't forsaken her, Lord God. Your word says that you will be with her even until the end of the world. Touch her, Lord God. Help her, Lord. Be with her in Jesus' name. I thank you for the new door that you're going to open. Father, Lord God, let this be the place, Lord God, where she can be at peace, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for your daughter, Father. Help her, Lord God. Be with her. Strengthen her, Father, in Jesus' name, Father. Let her know, Lord God, everything is going to be okay, Lord, because she's on the winning side. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for Joey, Lord God. Keep him safe, Lord God. At work, Lord God. He has to work with people every, each and every day, Lord. Keep him safe from getting sick, Father, in Jesus' name. Let him know how much you love him, Lord God, and that you have a plan for his life, in Jesus' name. Father, we praise you. 
Sorry, this thing didn't work. <laughs>